I am the Good Shepherd. Live with me now. Um, so I, I was wondering about, I mean, maybe something you don't think about that much, but what your perfect gate looks like. Now, a lot of us don't think about gates all the time, but just humour me for the point of my sermon this morning. So maybe if you are, is this going to work? Yeah, maybe if you're an artist, this is your perfect gate. I'm not an artist, so I can't describe it very beautifully, but you know, it's kind of um, painted. And there's some kind of shadows in there. Um, so if you're an artist, maybe this is your perfect gate. Maybe if you're a designer, ooh. this, I know, ooh, this is your perfect gate this morning. You know, it's something kind of a bit flashy, works really nicely. You can tell I'm not a designer either. Maybe if you're a parent of small children like me, this is your perfect gate this morning. This is my son, by the way. I didn't pick around in the child and stick behind the gate because that was get me into a lot of trouble. Um, so this is your perfect gate. But you know, this morning I know that not all of us are artists, not all of us are designers, um, and not all of us are parents, but there is one thing that we have in common today, and that is we are all sinners. We have all done things that God doesn't like, and to be honest, things that we don't like either. And, um, and uh, so for those of us um, yeah, they've done things that God doesn't like and we don't like either. And so for us, this is the perfect gate for us. Jesus, okay? This is the gate that saves and rescues us. He is more beautiful than the artist's gate. He is more purposeful than the designer gate. And believe it or not, he brings us even more peace than the parents' gate. And this is our focus um, this morning. There are two invitations today. I am the gate, live with me forever. I am the good shepherd, live with me now. Mm. I'm gonna pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for moving amongst us in the worship. I thank you for your love and your care. I thank you that you are the gate, you are salvation. I thank you that you are shepherd, you are abundance. And Father, we ask that you would come and feed us this morning. Lord, you know me, you know I'm nervous. But I just bring my bread and fishes and I say, Lord, please feed people today. We are hungry. We need to know more of you. We need to hear your voice. So I pray, open up eyes today. Fill hungry stomachs in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I have a plan. Stop you going on and on. Oh. Okay, this is the plan very simple, it's not rocket science. We are going to look at what Jesus is saying about the Pharisees. That will bring some context to where we're coming from this morning. We're going to look about what Jesus is saying about himself as the gate and the shepherd, which is kind of the body of the text. I'm not going to look at everything that he's saying about himself, because he says quite a lot, but we're going to look at some of it. I'm also going to look about what he's saying about us, the sheep. So, who was Jesus talking about in this passage? Because actually, it seems that Jesus hadn't turned up and just started talking about gates and shepherds out of nowhere. It would have been a little bit random if he'd just gone up to somebody and said, Hello, nice to meet you. I'm the gate. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm the good shepherd. But he'd actually been hanging out with a group of people. Um, in the previous chapter, we see that he'd just healed a blind man. Okay, so he miraculously healed this blind man. Now you think that that would be a cause for great celebration. 
Um, but unfortunately, it became a cause for great contention because the Pharisees that were there were very unhappy that he'd done this miraculous healing um, on the Sabbath and broken, you know, the law. And so the blind man obviously thought the healing was amazing because he was healed. But the um, Pharisees started to interview basically the blind man's friend and the friends and family to find out, you know, what had gone on and, uh, you know, be unhappy about it, basically, because the laws had been broken. And so Jesus, in the passage we're going to look at, starts to make comparisons between the man's blindness, physical blindness, and the Pharisee's spiritual blindness. So I'm going to read um, some of the text. Okay. John 10. Feel free to look it up on your phones or your Bibles. I'm using the NIV. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman open the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep know his voice. Verse 7, it goes on to say, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. This is where he starts to assign parts to um, the different people. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who, came, all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I will, he will come in and go out and find pasture. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In verse 14 it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So, what is he saying about? Am I supposed to be pointing at someone in particular? What is he saying about the Pharisees? Okay, so, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen through the gate but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. The Pharisees are the thieves and robbers. Okay, they were the Jewish leaders and their whole identity was in following the law. And they wanted their law followed. And so they had become a distraction from the real shepherd. They had robbed and they had stolen. They managed to get themselves into positions of power um, without going through the gatekeeper, in contrast to Jesus, who had authority from God. They saw themselves as gatekeepers, gatekeepers of righteousness, but actually, in reality, they were no more than wall builders. They managed to keep people out um, because they failed to meet their standards, and they also trapped people into legalism. They were blind. Jesus, the gate was right in front of them, but because of their arrogance and the desire for control, they had completely missed it. They were not shepherds. They were supposed to be the shepherds of the people at the time, but they were really consumed with their own desires for power and control. They weren't looking after anyone. You can see in the previous chapter when the blind man was healed, um, they were just angry because it was on the Sabbath and he was, and so the law was broken. They weren't happy for him. They didn't want what's best for him. They didn't love him, and they certainly didn't shepherd him. They were like the hired hands. They ran because they didn't care about the sheep and had no authority from God, therefore no power against the wolves. Now, it's a little bit of a depressing picture, um, and I did say we would focus on Jesus, so this is what he's saying about himself. He's saying, he says, I am the gate. 
I am the gate to ever enters through me will be saved. He says, I am the gate, not a gate, not one of many gates, not there's loads of gates out there, pick a gate, anyone you want. He said, I am the gate, the only gate by which we can enter and be saved, the only means by which we have for receiving eternal life. Very similar to when he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He said, enter through me. So although this gate is protection, it isn't just a protection, it's a passageway. What is it a passageway to? It's a passageway to salvation. Because he says, those who come through me will be saved. Excuse me. The batteries aren't very good in this. Sorry, can, I, can you do it? Charlotte, yeah, thanks. Okay, now some of you won't know this about me, but I grew up in the countryside, and um, I've been in London 24 years now, and I never want to go back to the countryside to live again. Um, no offence if you came from the countryside, but um, it's just not for me anymore. And um, I did my work experience on a farm, and yeah, it was amazing. I learned how to drive a tractor, build a wall, and um, cut sheep's hooves. Um, and I mean, it bore me in such good stead when I came to Peckham and started working with children at the risk of getting chucked out of school and working on the Ellsbury estate with young carers. I mean, it's really helped that sheep hoof cutting. But even with my vast, vast knowledge of sheep and stuff, I still had to do some reading for this preach today. And um, some of the reading and the research that I did um, showed me that sheep folds in the countryside in Middle Eastern times used to look like this. Um, there were basically kind of a pile of rocks built up, it was quite rough. Um, there was a small open space without a gate on it where the sheep go in and out. The shepherd would keep the sheep in and the wild animals out by lying across the pen. So literally laying his life down, which kind of sounds a bit familiar. He literally became the gate for the sheep to enter by. Jesus is saying, I am the gate. I will lay down my life for you. That is the only way you will come in. That is the only way you will receive eternal life. That is the only way that you will live with the shepherd and have a relationship with me. I am the gate. Live with me forever. Because Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he'd come to do. He knew that he wanted us to live with him forever. And although heaven held such wonder and such glory for him already, he wanted us one day to be there with him. He knew that to accomplish that, he would have to die on the cross so that we could be friends with him. But our sin had made it impossible for us to be friends with the shepherd. Our sin had made it completely impossible to access his care. But because of his great love for us, he gave his life for us on the cross, becoming a gateway to our salvation and a gateway to eternal life. So the question today, one of the questions, <laughs> is um, what is your gate? What is your salvation? Because actually it's really easy to look at the Pharisees and think naughty Pharisees, they thought they were the gate, they had other gates, but actually many of us have other gates too. We're guilty of having other gates in our lives. It might be a similar gate to the Pharisees. It might be that we think being good and trying really hard can save us and get us to live with Jesus forever and give us eternal life. Maybe it's our jobs. Maybe if only we could get promoted, if only I could do better, that would give me life to the full, a doorway, a gateway of opportunity. Maybe it's more money. 
You think, that's what I need. That would be my salvation. That would give me life to the full. Or maybe it's our identity. We find that we're constantly trying to be something or someone. It's really easy to fall into just having other gates. But you know, he is our gate. We can live with him forever, but he's also our shepherd. We can live with him now. Um, we are not only saved by, from sin, which would be amazing in itself, but we can have life to the full. We can know him now. This gate doesn't lead to nowhere. It leads to, it doesn't lead just to waiting around trying to be good till we die. It leads to a life lived each day with the shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I the father. Wow, he knows us that well. It's easy just to let that statement go by, isn't it? But there is no relationship closer than a trinity. And he's saying, I know you like that. You think your parents know you today? Not as well as he does. You think your partner knows you today? Not as well as he does. You think your best friend knows you today? Not as well as this shepherd does. This is good news for us today, especially if we feel invisible or misunderstood. We have a shepherd that knows us and amazingly still loves us. This means in our everyday lives that when we're at work and other people get promoted, and then you go to work and other people get promoted, you think, oh, I should have had that job. It means that actually God, Jesus our shepherd, knows. He knows how gifted we are. He knows whether we can do something. He knows how unfair things feel. He knows you. When you are at home with your children, and uh, you know maybe it's for a season, you're not going out to work, and you go out to a party, and somebody says, well, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm just at home with the children. And um, they, the conversation just falls flat. He knows you. He knows how hard it is. He knows how much effort you put into it. He knows how sometimes you just feel a bit like nobody doing it. He knows you. Maybe you're unemployed today and uh, the benefits, your benefits are getting cut. It's not a party political podcast, but I'm getting into a lot of trouble. Your benefits are getting cut left, right and centre, which, you know, they may or may not be. Um, maybe you're, you know, you're unemployed, your benefits are getting cut left, right and centre, but you know that you're really trying hard and looking for work. You know that you are on it looking for employment, but actually the powers that be don't really believe you. Jesus knows. He knows how hard you're trying. He knows that you are looking for work. He knows you. Maybe you feel invisible today. Well, let me encourage you. You are not invisible to him. He knows you like he knows his father. He knitted you together in, his mo- in your mother's womb. He died on the cross with you in mind. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you. He says... This shepherd is a shepherd that knows his sheep. He says, live with me now. Be known by me now. You know, as I was preparing um, for this talk, it was a little bit um, of a roller coaster. Sometimes I'd be quite looking forward to it. 
and uh, sometimes I wouldn't be. And um, Dan was one day when Dan came back from a meeting, and I literally had my head in my hands going, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be terrible, I don't want to do it anymore, I totally can't do it. And uh, I was getting a bit stressed, and uh, one Sunday uh, at HAB, when I was supposed to be listening to Vic preach, but actually... As usual, I was kind of thinking about what I was going to preach. Um, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he said, um, Claire, you know, what, you know what your problem is? You know why you're getting so worried? It's because you're trying really hard to be a preacher. And actually, all I need you to do is be a sheep that tells your experience of the shepherd. So let me tell you about my shepherd this morning. He is a good shepherd. Okay, he has rescued me, he has saved me, he has guided me. And for anybody that knows me this morning, you will know that I'm often not a very obedient sheep. But he has been faithful to me anyway. He has forgiven me. He has rescued me from more wars than I can tell you about. And today, actually, I stand in front of you, not as, obviously, as some great preacher, but as a sheep that is very, very grateful about what her shepherd has done for her. He is my saviour. I have no other friendship like the one that I have with him. And actually when you or I or any of us here start to put our hope or our identity in anything than just being a sheep in love with a shepherd, then the wolves will get us. Because we were born to know him. We were born to be looked after by him. We were born to be forgiven by him. We were born to know him now. And we were born to have the, the wonder of knowing him forever. So, what is he saying about the sheep? What is Jesus saying about the sheep? He says in verse 14, my sheep, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, it says verse 14, he says, Okay, so basically, we were talk I talked a bit about my knowledge of sheep. I don't want to go over that. I was going to talk about how much I knew about sheep again, but I'm, I'm not going to. That's why I'm kind of pausing here. But basically, when I looked again at the stuff, the commentaries about sheep, it did seem that they got quite a bad deal when they were being written about. So there's a lot about the sheep aren't very clever. The sheep haven't got very many brain cells. The sheep just do this, they do that. It's all like quite anti-sheep. And uh, but do you, do you know what? I'm going to stand up for those sheep this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, because actually, they knew what they were doing. They knew their master's voice, which is pretty clever. So they knew the shepherd's voice. They could hear him. They knew which person was him and which person wasn't. And um, they, they were not proud either. They, were, they knew they were kind of helpless without him. They did what he said. And uh, you notice in the passage, actually, that Jesus gives the Pharisees a really, really hard time. He never says anything bad about the sheep at all. So I thought, what can we learn from these sheep this morning? So this is my city girl's guide to being a really good sheep. Not that we can be good, of course, but you know what I mean. It's taking some tips from the sheep. So it says, verse 14 says, My sheep know me. In verse 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, it's easy when we talk about life to the full, it's easy to think about a life full of joy, okay? A life full of all our prayers getting answered. Um, 
yeah, just just things going really well. Perfect relationships, perfect job opportunities, life to the full, loads of amazing stuff. And do you know what? I do believe that God answers prayer. I could give you a list in my life where I've seen him provide. However, I don't think answered prayer, similar to some of the stuff Pete said this morning, I don't think answered prayer and provision and our lives being all perfect is what life to the full is about. Life to the full is knowing him. Okay? Life to the full is knowing him. Life to the full is a life spent knowing and being known by the shepherd. It's a life full of him. It doesn't mean our lives are perfect. It doesn't mean there's a complete absence of wolves. It's about knowing him today. Life to the full is recognising his voice. In verse 4 it says, They listen to my voice. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. How well do we know his voice today? How well do we know that we need it? Because actually, you know, the sheep knew that if they didn't listen to the shepherd's voice, so they didn't obey, then they would be in trouble. They could die. Do we have, really have, that same sense of urgency about hearing Jesus today? Do we think we're in trouble if we don't hear it? I think many of us don't. Do you know, I am um, quite bad at voice recognition. So when we, when, I, when we had our oldest daughter, sometimes we'd be sitting in our flat, and Dan and I would just be sitting there staring at the TV, you know, she was a baby, and we'd be staring at the TV, kind of just too exhausted to do anything else. And um, I would leap up and start to make my way to the other room, and Dan would go, where are you going? And I'd be like, it's, it's Lola, she's crying in the other room. And Dan would be like, he just kind of rolled his eyes and go, that's the dog barking downstairs. <laughs> I was not very good at recognising, I don't know what happened to my maternal instance, I couldn't recognise my own baby's voice, her cry, but you know what? As the weeks went on and on, and I heard that cry more and more and more and more, I soon began to recognise it. And you know, it can be like that with God. As we grow in our relationship with him, as we get to know him, as we spend time with him, um, we begin to recognise what's him and what isn't. So, I've got a bit of a challenge this morning. Let's make every opportunity to try and hear his voice. Let's make some of the boring, tedious times in our lives actually an adventure because we listen out to him. There's one thing I thought of particularly, you know when you're on the phone on hold and the minutes just go by and you're kind of ranting around, you imagine, say it's Southern Council just for example, so you could be on hold for maybe five minutes to like an hour or so and uh, no, I'm not trying to get you started. <laughs> so imagine you're on the phone to Southern Council and you're on hold, on hold, on hold, ask him, instead of ranting and raging and thinking I'm going to move to another borough, think, ask God to speak to you. That is five or however many minutes where you could hear him. Do you know, I was aware that I was going to use this as a point in my preach, and so I did it the other day when I was on the phone to Tesco's, I was on hold. I had my three kids jumping up and down, and um, I was waiting for them to get back to me. And I just did, I just said, Jesus, speak to me, say something to me. I've got five minutes, I'm standing here, speak. And do you know, he did, he gave me a picture of a heart. I mean, I won't go into the details of what he spoke, but my point is, let's use some of those times to hear his voice. Let's use the boring commute to work to hear his voice, to get him to speak to us. We need to hear him. We need to live with him now. Hear his voice now. Um, so we need to read his words. These are just ways of hearing his voice. Read his word, come to church, grab time to talk to him and listen to him. 
carry Bible verses around with you, ask people to pray with you. Sometimes we get so busy that we don't think to hear him. And sometimes actually we think if it's not an hour on our knees really crying out to him and waiting in a quiet, silent room for two hours, then actually it doesn't really count, but it does. We can hear him on the go. We can hear him on the adventure. Do you know what? If we don't listen to his voice, then um, other voices will come in. The wolves will come and get us. So um, for me, it's just a little bit of a story. I, I had a bad day. For me, a bad day doesn't have to be really dramatic. A bad day for me is a boring day. I don't really like being bored. I don't deal with boredom very well. And um, so I've been in with um, two of my children. I've got three. I was in with two. Um, and they hadn't been listening to me at all. I mean, like, all day. And it, was, it just wasn't that good. And Dan came home. And I just literally <laughs> shoved the two children at him and then um, made out the door to go and pick up the third child who was at a friend's house. And I started walking down the road actually quite slowly because I wanted to make the most of my newfound freedom. So I thought I'd go really slow, I could be out a long time away from the other two. And as I walked down the road, my thoughts really just spiralled. So I started off with thinking, oh, my day's been quite boring. And then it kind of was like, oh, what am I doing with my life? And I need to go and get a job. And oh, my life is really terrible. And it just kind of really went from today was boring to what am I going to do? I'm never going to get a job. I've got these skills now. I've forgotten them all. And it just kind of, kind of spiraled down. And, and I just, fortunately, before I got to where I was going, just like, no, I've got to stop. And so I stopped on my walk and I just repented. I said, sorry to God for all the shouting that I'd done in the morning. But then I said, speak to me. Just speak to me. I only have a little bit of time until I get to my destination. Talk to me now. And you know, God spoke to me really clearly. He said, every time you get bored um, with being at home with the children, he said, ask me to give you more love for them. Because Claire, you don't always do what I tell you to. And I never get bored of you. And it's because I love you so much. And it's a small thing. It's not a big, dramatic, miracle here or there story. But actually, it's made a massive difference to me. Now when I'm upset and maybe, not that I'm always bored at home, I don't want to do the wrong impression, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I, I cry out to him quickly to stop the wolves getting in at our thoughts and to hear his voice instead. I know that this isn't the most crazy, miraculous, inspiring example in the world. But actually, you know, sometimes when the wolves are really at our throats and when things are really tough, we're actually better at crying out to him. It's kind of in the days that are not so good. You know, somebody's maybe offended you at work. Um, someone says something that's not sensitive. Your children aren't doing what you say. Those are the days sometimes where we forget to listen to him. Those are the days when we try and sort things out by ourselves when we forget that we have the privilege of living with a shepherd. These claims of Jesus, they're not just any claims. They're not just any invites. They're not like those wedding invites. You know the wedding invites that you kind of dread coming through the post because you think, it's going to cost me loads of money. Don't actually want to hang out with all those people anyway. You barely want to open it and read it. This is not one of those invites. This it's the invites. These are the invites that our souls long for. They're the invites written before time began. As our saviour and our shepherd sometimes shouts and sometimes whispers, I am the gate. Live with me forever. I am the good shepherd. Live with me now. And if you could stand...
We've got some time for response.